Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Today on episode number 122, we're actually going to look back at the 12 players that made the biggest rises in their Dynasty value in my rankings. One of the things that I like to do at the end of every season is to see which players have risen the most in my rankings since the season started. I always save my uh, list of my rankings before the first week of the season so that I can go back and compare my start of the year rankings to the end of season rankings and see which players uh, have riven, risen the most this year. I exclude rookies uh, from the exercise just because the rookies you know, rise or fall faster than others, but I just take all the veteran players and I want to see who's increased their dynasty stock, at least among those in like the top 50 that I'll talk about today. So with that said, let's get started. Here are 12 players whose dynasty stock I believe increased the most as far as how I rank them from the start of the season to where I rank them now that the season has ended. I'm going to go by position, uh, not necessarily in order, but in order by position. That makes sense. First at quarterback would be Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he was quarterback number 22 to start the season, and now I have him ranked as my number 11 quarterback. Tannehill really was an every week fantasy starter uh, this year, particularly at the end of the year. He's he's moved into the top 12 of my quarterback rankings now. He doesn't get the highest number of pass attempts. He was 18th last year with only 481 attempts, but he's incredibly efficient with his passes and finished tied for seventh in touchdown passes with 33. He's got A.J. Brown has a big play waiting to happen, especially with deep balls and those kind of zone reads, crossing patterns that he so uh, takes those to the house from such long passes. And while defenses focus on Derrick Henry, it just helps free up the passing game. I really think Tennessee is one of the most simple offenses in the league, but it works because they have a star running back and a star wide receiver. And Tannehill's athleticism helps him too because he adds fantasy points on the ground, scored seven touchdowns on the ground this last year. I do have a little bit of concern. Their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, was hired to head coach Atlanta, to be the head coach at Atlanta. Um, so Tennessee and Tannehill may not play as efficiently next year, but I assume that they're actually going to promote from within to keep their powerful system intact. That system seems to be working for them, and so I think that they will do that uh, for sure. So Tannehill, up to number 11 from number 22. Next player I'll mention is uh, Ronald Jones at running back. Uh, he went from my running back number 46 to now he's running back number 22 at the end of the season. Jones uh, really held off two competitors to, to keep the lead role in Tampa Bay. I think when Tampa Bay drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round of the 2020 NFL draft, and then when they signed Leonard Fournette after Jacksonville cut him, it really seemed like the Buccaneers were eager to replace Jones. But he not only held them off, he also finished the season as a 16th highest, uh, 16th highest scoring running back. Fournette is a free agent, and so I don't think he's going to be re-signed with Tampa. Uh, since Vaughn showed a little bit of promise at the end of the year, I think next year it will just be Jones and Vaughn, and he'll have to battle him off next season. If he can hold Vaughn off again, uh, he might actually get signed to that second contract with the Buccaneers. So Ronald Jones up to number 22 in my rankings. Next player I mentioned that rose in his dynasty value was Miles Gaskin. He went from unranked, literally unranked on my rankings, to number 23. 
Um, I removed Gaskin from my rankings altogether before the season kicked off. Um, I just did because I assumed that the two players that Miami picked up in the offseason, Jordan Howard, um, that they signed in free agency, and Matt Breida that they traded for during the draft, I just assumed that they would get all the carries since they made those moves. But it was it was Gaskin, Miami's second-year, seventh-round draft pick. He just took over from game one, and he really finished the season great. He was the 12th-ranked running back as far as average scoring points per game. He had that injury, so he doesn't rank as high as far as total points. But if you just go by average scoring points, he was 12th. Incredible. He was a very, very steady RB2 when he was healthy. And he really could be the future leading back in Miami. Uh, Moving from unranked to 23rd is quite an accomplishment. But I think 23rd is about the highest that I'll, I'll ever have him ranked because I really believe that Miami will draft a running back in this year's NFL draft. If not, I could be wrong, and then Miles Gaskin could maybe move up from 23, but I suspect this might be the highest that he gets. Next running back is uh, Tony Pollard. He was my running back number 54 to start the season, and now I have him ranked as running back number 25. Pollard just looked more explosive than Ezekiel Elliott by the end of the season. Uh, He's going to do much more than spell Zeke in the coming seasons, I think. He's going to be worked into the offense. Uh, Dallas uh, has to increase his role in the years to come. Now, I don't believe that Zeke has fallen off the cliff like most analysts I've heard uh, that say, think that he has. Um, so I've only moved him up to 25. But Zeke was on fire. You have to remember, Zeke was on fire those first five games of the season before Dak Prescott got injured. And so when Dak is healthy, I think Zeke and Pollard's dynasty stock is going to rise. And I have them both ranked high, assuming that Dak is going to sign a long-term contract in Dallas and bring the offense to life again like he did the first five weeks of the season this last season. Pollard's moved up, but I still like Zeke too. I'm just convinced that they're going to be more of a one-two backfield going forward. Similar situation, the next running back I'll mention is Chase Edmonds. He was number 57 ranked running back to start the season, and now I have him as the 26th ranked running back. Uh, Edmonds didn't jump Kenyon Drake and become the starter in Arizona like I predicted. If you were following me last offseason or during the season, I kept thinking that was going to happen. I have to admit I was wrong that Drake played surprisingly well, finishing as the 14th ranked running back, and he had 239 carries while Edmonds finished 28th, so 14 spots back from, from Drake, but he only had 97 carries compared to the 239. The reason they were as close as they were was that Edmonds was more active in the passing game, and he finished with 53 receptions compared to Drake's 25. Drake stayed ranked ahead of Edmonds in my rankings uh, throughout the year, but Edmonds has now moved three spots ahead of him to end the season, and I made this change because Drake's uh, contract is up, and I don't believe that Arizona will re-sign him, uh, finally leaving Edmonds an opportunity to be the Cardinals' lead back unless they do something else in free agency. Uh, We will see, but right now he's ranked number 26. Another guy that made a jump, the last running back, is Damian Harris. Uh, Moved him from running back number 57 to start the season up to number 31. So good good jump to 26 spots for Harris. Harris really didn't run away with the job as I expected that he would to start the season, especially after Sonny Michelle got injured. Um, Even so, I think he did enough to prove that he is the best running back on their roster. The Patriots offense can't play worse than they did last year with Cam Newton, that's for sure. And they can't afford to draft a running back since they have so many other holes to fill on their team. So I think Harris's situation should only improve in the years to come. But I always have a little caveat. I've always been frustrated by how the Patriots rotate their running backs, and that concern still keeps Harris from rising to be a reliable RB2 in my rankings. That's why I can only move him up to 31. He couldn't top in the top, top 24, given the way that the Patriots use their running backs. Now let's talk about a couple receivers who made big jumps. 
Uh, first is Stefan Diggs. He was wide receiver 20 to start the season, and now I have him as wide receiver number three. Uh, Diggs moved down my rankings at the beginning of the season based solely, solely on this, on how he was traded to a new team that had an erratic quarterback in Josh Allen. However, we all know the story. Allen has changed the narrative of his career and is probably better, more than I've ever seen before. And Diggs is the primary benefactor of this incredible improvement that Allen has made. Diggs had his best fantasy season of his career, and he's positioned to score more fantasy points in Buffalo than he ever did in Minnesota for probably, Minnesota for probably the next five years to come. I laugh that he's, com- he's complaining for targets is what got him traded to, uh, from Minnesota, but he's had not a thing to complain about, complain about in Buffalo. Do you know he was in the league leader in targets and receptions and yards this last year? Amazing. He was fed. Uh, I was wrong to move him down because of that trade and what I thought was a trade to an erratic quarterback, but the whole table has switched there, and now he's my number three wide receiver. Another uh, wide receiver who made a pretty big jump is Keenan Allen. Before the season, he was my wide receiver number 19, but now he's number seven, so he's moved up 12 spots. Um, like Diggs, I dropped uh, uh, Keenan Allen for my rankings before the season because I expected his target load to decrease significantly with Tyrod Taylor, quarterback. I'm sure my prediction prediction would have proved right if Taylor played this season instead of Justin Herbert, who took over uh, a quarterback in week two. Herbert just simply brought the offense to life. His rifle arm is downfield passing. Um, Herbert alone caused Allen's dynasty value to rise right back up to the level of his actual talent. He's always had the talent. It's just it looked like the situation was bad, and now uh, Herbert has made Allen a number seven wide receiver in my book. Allen finished fifth in targets and fifth in receptions among wide receivers, and his future is still very bright in Los Angeles. He's still a top. He's still um, a top ten uh, dynasty asset in my book. So I've got him ranked at number seven, even with his age. Another receiver that made a big jump was Deontay Johnson. Uh, before the season, I had him as wide receiver number fifty-six, and now I have him as wide receiver sixteen. So he's jumped up forty spots. So before the season started, I really believed that Juju Smith-Schuster would be Ben Roethlisberger's top target. I thought that he'd play well enough to earn that second contract in Pittsburgh. But early in the season, however, it was pretty clear that Deontay Johnson had become Big Ben's favorite target. And then Chase Claypool broke out onto the scene, and he became Big Ben's favorite red zone target. And some film analysts that I follow said that Johnson was a standout on tape, too, so that made me really reconsider him. Johnson's continued to move up my rankings throughout the season, bit by bit by bit, and he's kind of moved up now all the way to number 16. And honestly, I wanted to move him higher, but I am concerned about the Roethlisberger retiring uh, before this season or maybe after next season. Just a little bit of quarterback uncertainty uh, makes me move him only up to number 16. Another and the last wide receiver that I'll mention is Robbie Anderson. He was wide receiver number 45 for me before the season, and now he's moved up to 32. Um, I was one of only few analysts that I know that did not let Anderson's offseason move to Carolina downgrade his dynasty value. I actually moved his value up uh, all the way to number 45. I believe that he would do well in Carolina, but I didn't think that he would move up 13 spots in my rankings by the end of the season. Thing is, DJ Moore just scored two more fantasy points than Anderson did this year, but Anderson had 29 more receptions. It's really the opposite of what everyone expected is what happened more was actually the big play receiver, while Anderson was the primary target. Anderson was, you could say, the wide receiver one in Carolina last year, 
and I believe that he'll compete with Moore for years to come. Um, I think those things could swap. It could be where Moore is the favorite target, and next year Anderson's the big play guy because they both have the ability to do each. But I was very surprised, um, even more surprised than I was, to move him up to number 32. A couple tight ends now to mention as we close. One would be Logan Thomas. He went from an unranked tight end all the way to number 10 in my rankings right now. Unranked to start the season, and now I rank him number 10. Uh, man, he started the season unranked for me, really just given his age, his new team, his inexperience at the tight end position. All of those were what, what led him to be unranked, but he ended up finishing his age 29 season as the sixth highest scoring tight end. He was very consistent too, especially if you're in PPR leagues. He was targeted 110 times, had 72 receptions and six touchdowns. He's really earned the starting role in Washington's team. And uh, I think he's going to have a starting role in dynasty teams too. And one of the things that I learned this year is how important targets are for tight ends. Uh, given the position is so volatile, Thomas was the third most targeted tight end last year behind only, you guessed it, Travis Harry, <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. And he's, that's what's made him come from the unranked to be an every week startable, startable receiver. I mean, tight end with a very, very reliable floor, especially in PPR leagues. Another guy, uh, the last guy that I'll mention here that moved up in my rankings would be Robert Tanyan. He went from unranked tight end to number 11, completely unranked to tight end 11. Uh, Tanyan was not uh, in my tight end rankings, uh, even after there were the offseason rumors that he was trading with George Kittle and that he had a strong relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I just thought, man, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers have not had a startable fantasy tight end since Jermichael Finley. And so I didn't buy the hype. Well, it looks like the hype was real, and Tunyon finished the season as the third highest scoring tight end. His fantastic fantasy season was definitely bolstered because he had a league-leading 11 touchdowns tied with Travis Kelsey. But touchdowns are really exactly what you want from dynasty managers who are looking for tight ends to score a touchdown because one touchdown seems to be enough to win the position uh, most weeks. So Tanya seems to be a permanent part of the offense now, and it's an offense with a league-leading 48 touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. So in a position that's very muddled in the middle, Tanya's touchdowns uh, make him an every-week starter that's now among my top 12, finishing the season now at number 11. So two tight ends come from the unranked all the way into my top 12. Well, that's a wrap for this week. I encourage you to do this the same. If you are a dynasty manager, look at your rankings, save them somewhere, somehow. If you've got a rankings list, save them at, from where you have people at the start of the season, then look at the end of the season and re-rank them and see what you find. Uh, those are some of the biggest risers. Next week, I'll actually talk about some of the biggest fallers, the people who fell in their dynasty value. Well, that's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make the two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I am much better on email than Twitter, so email is the best way to get me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.